I've got a repeat guest back. Kelly Thompson's here to talk Macintosh. Hey. I like talking Apple with you because you're exactly as nerdy as I am about it. <laughs> Still, Macs on my app are more important than on my phone to me. Like, I get more excited about finding a great new app on my computer because it's where all the work happens for me. You know, as much as I like phones, I really get things done sitting at a computer. How much How much are you like oh, iOS versus macOS? These oh, days? yeah, I still most of my work work is done on the Mac for sure. Probably yeah. 90%. I'm sure we introduced you last time. But like, what's your work work? Like, what do you, what do you do when you do work? <laughs> I guess I'm officially semi-retired, but I am helping out a little company here in Calgary called Showpass that I've been on the board of for, for quite a few years. So mm. um, kind of helping them uh, get up to speed. Yeah. And then your background, I mean, that we connect on was iStock Photo and Getty Images back in the day. So you have a lot of experience in the visual world and then you're at 500 PX recently as well. So you yeah. like, you know, photography, you know, visual technology. Yes. <laughs> um, but do you end up like, do you open Photoshop very often anymore? You, you know oh, how to use actually, it. Actually, that's one of the things I was going to talk about. I have wiped the suite from my machine. Wow, that's huge. Um, and have no been, more Adobe. No more Adobe. And have been testing out the Affinity line of apps. Oh, And of course, very they curious. just released this week the new beta of Affinity Publisher. So I've been uh, testing that out a little bit and as well. What is Publisher? What's, what is that? Uh, InDesign. Oh, okay. Not that I do a whole lot of print work anymore, but... <laughs> but just in case, now yeah. you're ready for it. Well, I mean, randomly, I actually... A couple of the designers at work were really busy and didn't have time to do some really, you know, basic stuff. So I whipped them whipped them all up in Affinity Designer. So. I, I am just pulling up their site. Now, I hadn't really looked at the other stuff. Photo Designer and Publisher. Yeah. Uh, and Designer's Illustrator, I take it. Yeah. That's so, yeah. I, it's so great that there is this competition. Like I'm still fully addicted to Adobe. I'm not going anywhere, <laughs> but I love that this is happening. Like there is real pressure on Adobe to move forward. It is. And th th so what, one of the big things that, that's happened here is that these guys have pushed these apps to the iPad. And of course, until now, uh, Adobe didn't seem very interested in moving any of their apps fully as a real full right, iPad right. app. And I think these guys have lit a fire under them to do it. It's funny that um, I remember when there was a day that like removing the Microsoft suite, that was like the big step is like, <laughs> I have no more Microsoft software on my computer. Now I don't really care about that. I don't think I happen to not have any, <laughs> but um, it, now it's some people have that feeling with Adobe that there's like so much reliance on one company. And it's interesting. I mean, when they moved to Creative Cloud, it was really kind of mixed that like some things got, some things got better. It also makes you have higher expectations, so you might be more disappointed because you're paying so much. One thing that definitely happened is Adobe got a lot more profitable. They're just becoming <laughs> a much bigger company because there's so much money coming in from this. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it was a tough pill to swallow, but I mean, it certainly makes sense for a company like them to move to monthly recurring revenue. Mm -hmm. And it, it did end up with, I think, there has been a faster pace of development. I think it makes more sense to get regular updates and not waiting for like once years, a year or yeah. two years for something really big. And then you have to learn so much more at once as well. Like it's harder to stay aware of the latest features because yeah, something big drops and you have to read through the whole feature list and try to learn how to use the new stuff. And of course you're going to miss a few things with the trickle that happens now. I can kind of spend the time like diving in every time it comes out because there isn't that much new in each in each release so i've kind of like that 
What's the cost like on that? I see download now for free. It's not free. Well, the, the beta of publisher is free. Oh, I see. But Affinity Designer and Photo, they're really cheap. And how did you land on Affinity? out of? Because there's a few options now. Yeah. So, I mean, I tested out a bunch and they just seemed to be kind of enough like Photoshop. It wasn't a huge jump, but clearly engineered specifically for the Mac. So much faster, so much smoother, you know, things that were there that when you look at, you're like, why on earth didn't Adobe think of this uh, years ago? There's, there's lots of things missing too. You know, it's not quite as full featured. So every once in a while you'll run up against something like, uh, I think I was in affinity photo or something or one, one of them doesn't have text on a curve. And I went to do it. And I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Something that I'm sure is on a whiteboard there. Like they're they're waiting (laughs) to do it. Yeah. But yeah, prices fantastic. 69 bucks. Yeah. Cause what's going to happen is this is where creatives are going to grow up now. They're not for my generation. We all grew up pirating Photoshop. Everyone had an illegal copy of Photoshop in college. And then once you get a job, you get a legitimate one and then you just pay for it for the rest of your life. That was the path. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure that still happens to some extent because people have an awareness that Photoshop is what you use in a real job. Things are chipping away at that, though, as well, like Sketch um, for web designers. Uh, That's one where I think Adobe's lost real ground. I don't think Affinity's made a serious dent yet, but... Yeah, no. uh, Yeah, probably not in the bigger bigger picture. But, I mean, you know, this is... It's less than two months' worth of the... Creative Cloud, right? Yeah, so. <laughs> no, it's crazy cheap. Like this, it, I thought I was expecting like 150 bucks, 200 bucks, and that would have been fine with me. That's yeah, that'd I, be reasonable. I would have, I would have paid that too. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Cool. Well, no, I'm, I'm glad you're pointing it out. It's one of those things. I feel like I should test it because I talk about these things, but I just don't have, I also don't have time. Yeah. <laughs> like I'd have to spend seventy dollars and seventy hours to really have an and, interesting and opinion about it. One of the reasons I deleted Photoshop and the rest of Creative Cloud is because. Be- because I know it so well, I would always find myself going oh, yeah, back to it, right? so, on it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so when it when it came up for a renewal, I was like, okay, we'll we'll test this. Wow, out that's see. big, <laughs> crazy. Well, I mean, for me, I'll, I'll just talk a little bit about what I do use out of the Creative Suite, uh, which obviously Photoshop never goes away. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, like I was saying, for anybody wondering what Sketch is, it's like a web design app, and it's it's become uncool to do web design in Photoshop now. Like it's not really, it's not the app for it. People realized it was never designed to do this and we were always kind of hacking it. Well, although in Creative Cloud, of course, they have XD. What's it called? Yeah, Yeah, I've used XD a bit for outlining stuff, like just, you know, rough sketches of, yeah, like super rough mockups at early stages. Um, And it's good for making work, like flows between pages and iterating on quick ideas like that. But the nice thing about Sketch, which I, I've never really gone deep into, I've used it for a few projects, but I'm not good at it. It um, lets you start there with your rough outlines and you can fully develop it into a complete, all of your graphical assets by the end, including CSS code and stuff. So you, you've not only given a rough idea of what it looked like and then given a specific idea of what it looked like, but you can deliver that without recreating it. And so often in Photoshop, you have to then you hand a PSD off to a <laughs> programmer who's going to turn it into CSS. Yeah, who takes weeks to do something that's not quite as good. <laughs> it never made sense. It was, yeah. it was a terrible way of doing things. Yeah. It's funny, actually, I, I never talk on the show. I don't think I've ever talked about web development stuff at all, which maybe we should just for fun. How many people listening do any web development? I have no idea. But, uh, but I have opinions. <laughs> you know, every company I've 
looked at or chatted with over the past years is you sketch. So yeah. I think it's really solidified yeah, and taken over. Well, and it's also integrated with other stuff like Envision, which then does uh, live prototyping. I was using that on a project a little while ago that was so amazing. I was like, where was this my whole career? Because <laughs> yeah, you have like a clickable prototype in just a few seconds. Um, there's just tons of stuff like that I love. Back to Adobe though. Yeah, Photoshop is still always my go-to. I don't know what it would take for me to pull away. What actually what pulled you away? Was it the sort of like the price you're just tired of giving Adobe money or like why did you decide to I mean, you know, as 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 an executive rather than someone who spends their days designing stuff or, or or working in those apps, you know, it just didn't make sense for me to really have Creative Cloud hanging out all, around all the time. So I, I really liked what they were doing and I kind of watched a, a bunch of their videos and I'm like these guys are they have a bunch of uh, demo videos, and I thought uh, they were really impressive. And the app just looked really smooth and fluid, and they were putting out uh, lots of updates. So I thought I'd cool. I want uh, I want to check it out someday. <laughs> I also do like what Adobe's doing. I've been able to talk to developers and stuff at events, and they are really in touch with what people need. The thing is, they're su- they're such a big company; it's easy to feel like they're totally disconnected. When you speak to individuals there, like th- they have really smart people working on this, they do pay really close attention to the requirements. People, the one place Adobe's strayed more and more though is their ability to optimize, <laughs> which you were just talking about. But especially yeah. for for Mac, I mean, things are just starting to feel so bloated. Yeah. Like, w- were any of the core apps ever rewritten? There's never been a rewrite of Photoshop. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I would be, it would be interesting if, if we were wrong about that, but I, I don't yeah, think there has been. I don't, and it, it definitely could happen. Uh, and even with Lightroom, they've been doing some serious optimizing over the last year or two. Like that was one thing they were really pushing is that it performs better on Mac. And it's not that much. I mean, it's not like a rewrite, you know, it still doesn't feel like an Apple, like the way Final Cut feels super integrated and part of the ecosystem. Lightroom, Photoshop, and Premiere don't have that feeling. So I keep Premiere on my computer. I only moved to Final Cut about a year ago. And Premiere is a really deep program. Basically, the way that people should choose is if if they need to start working with a lot of separate assets. So, for example, you go into After Effects a lot. It's The integration is so much smoother. I don't even know how to do it with with Final Cut, you basically just have to do it separately as a separate project and then bring it back in later. And inside of Premiere, you can directly open things up and save them, and then the changes are saved back. And same with audio. I really prefer that in uh, Premiere because it opens directly into Audition. You can make the changes while watching your video in a little window in Audition, save all those changes back. Whereas in Final Cut, there's no waveform editor like that. I recently saw a little, somebody was asking me about the way it integrates with Logic, and I don't think it does, but I've got to look into that because that that always sucks about it. The math, audio mastering is just not very good in Final Cut. So I keep Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, Premiere, and After Effects, and Lightroom Classic CC. That's what I, I keep installed all the time. Illustrator's in case of emergencies, I don't really use it. Uh, InDesign, I've been using less and less. I've actually been going to Canva. Have you tried that service at all? I have a little bit, yeah. Yeah, it's just a super simple web app. Actually, it's an interesting thing about what's on your Mac is that it doesn't include uh, all the things that have moved online now. Yeah, to the cloud, yeah. yeah. That, that's actually, when you were talking about web development, one of my secret favorite things is Webflow. 
I don't use Webflow. What's Webflow? Webflow, kind of like you were saying with the other apps, you can actually lay out a web interface. And if someone with a little bit of talent and a little bit of knowledge, you can sit down with them, you can whip out a full, beautiful, amazing website in days. All right. So I just opened it. I have, I have seen it before and it looks like Dreamweaver to me. Tell me it's not, but, but so I, I just come across it and I was kind of like, I don't know if this is random garbage. Cause there's so many, yeah. so yeah, many yeah, things yeah. that promote this kind of thing. It's hard yeah. to know when one is real. So if you, if you start off with something like Squarespace or Wix, like one of the kind of templated sites, you, you eventually kind of run up against the limitations of the template. Yeah. yeah right? I'm on Squarespace. I have been for years, but I always have to think in terms of Squarespace. Yeah. Like what does Squarespace <laughs> want me to do? Yeah, exactly. So Webflow is sort of a step past that. It allows much more much more control. You can start from a template if you want, but then you have full control. But it's got really nice interface elements to do everything from you know basic text. But it you know you are actually doing real style sheets. You can export it. You know export all the HTML and host it anywhere you want. They'll host it. And then how does the like how do you um, do version control on like, do you edit in the app and then upload it directly to your host or So, the, I mean, there's a few ways. They actually do hosting. They have... Uh, oh, okay. They have, fully integrated solutions. Yeah, they do have fully integrated. Lots of people... It's got such a good editor that a lot of people who can't hmm. use the hosting still want to use it, which is why I think if you pay for one of the basic packages, it allows you to export and host host wherever. This is really interesting. I'm trying to set a bit. Uh, have you, do you actually use this for a full project yet? I was helping out a little company about a year ago, and um, I had played with it before and didn't really realize how, how good it was. And they had, um, you know, I was just kind of, you know, hang out, helping, helping them out. But they had a guy who was really good at it. So we could just say, you know, try this, move this here, move this. And just by doing that and seeing everything in real time, you know, because the text had kind of, been, the, the website had the structure had been built out. And then when you're actually putting it in place and seeing it visually instantly like that, it was, I was shocked yeah, at how, cool. how quickly, how quickly it went. It's funny the way you talk about things. I always think you secretly wish you were in production and not, and not an executive <laughs> position. You, you want to be hands-on with all this stuff. I was in production for a very long time. So yeah, it's still hard, hard to let go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Webflow looks really cool. I, yeah. So we're actually considering it for, um, we're, we're working on, part of Showpass's new uh new site mm-hmm. and we're uh we're definitely considering considering it the other good thing is that with someone with real skills that's a designer can make something look spectacular but a hack like me can still get in there and generate pages and pages right. and they look pretty good and you know a few minutes with a touch-up from a pro and it's good to go that's cool yeah i mean web design has changed so much. I wonder how it's even taught these days. Like, it seems like it'd be very challenging to learn th- any kind of correct way because it was so much more straightforward. Like when I was in school for it, most people were doing things the same way. Like we were, you'd mock it up in Photoshop, then you'd open up a text document and start <laughs> writing CSS yeah. and HTML. And like, it was, it was these chunks of workflow. And now there's so many ways to do it that are all incredibly powerful so many more libraries available to you like a lot more options yeah no more uh sitting around sketching things out on paper for days trying to yeah totally and then uh, <laughs> inspecting source on a website you like so you can steal some design elements yeah 
Anyway, let, here let's also let's wrap up the Adobe thing too. Do you use Creative Cloud? Do, or so I know you're not using it anymore. Mm-hmm. Were you using any of the other side services of it, like the storage or, or any of that stuff? I've never really looked into the library syncing or no, um, not not really. You know, I being out of production, I don't really have to you know rely on things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some people who do, but yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Like one thing I'd really love to take advantage of that I haven't had reason to is the Lightroom library syncing. Like w- the way that Lightroom mobile can integrate with the desktop stuff is really cool. I've tried it. I can't make it work for me because I've just, just too many photos to kind of keep them syncing all the time. I don't know what I would sync. And usually by the time I would sync it, it means I already did all the editing. So like I'm, do- I'm kind of done with the file by the time I've narrowed them down. So I haven't been able to put it to any real use, but they're obviously looking for it in really interesting ways. Like as bandwidth increases, this can become the future, but it seems like a huge challenge to me to start storing for any professional to store everything on the cloud. Right. I don't, I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I once Aperture went away, I decided to move <laughs> to, to Apple, you know, I'd, that was when you switched. That was pretty late then. Cause that was well, yeah. only a few years ago. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, now I'm in photos and I love having everything, you know, up in the cloud. Cause, oh, did, wait, did you use Lightroom in between or did you go straight um, from Aperture to Photos? I mean, so for a long time, I had both Aperture and Lightroom running at the same time, kind of testing it out. Mm-hmm. And I sort of, for some reason, Aperture always felt more comfortable to me than Lightroom did. Well, cause you're, you're cause you're an Apple fanboy. <laughs> well, no, you, actually, you know, I think it w- was, is I was more about organizing the photos then, you know, Lightroom is really good at making the photos, you know, ed- editing, editing the yeah, photos yeah. after making them look great. Whereas I was more like, get rid of this, get rid of this, get it's rid so of It's so funny. This. I still talk to people that only look at Lightroom as a, a processing tool, like a, a way to edit the look of a photo and they don't manage their photos there. There's totally people out there that don't use the catalog long term or mm. I don't understand how. I also don't understand how there's some people that do like a catalog per shoot. That's relatively common. You see a lot of tutorials talk about it. I'm like, how would you stay organized? You have to open a new catalog every time you want to edit anything. That's it's totally working against the program, like the, yeah. the intention of it. It's so strange right. to me. But photos works for you? I, I couldn't. So I couldn't possibly. <laughs> I could never. Um, it has actually gotten pretty good. There was some really rough rough patches there when you know things weren't totally sinking, but. Um, they seem to have got their act together. And so, I mean, it's great to be able to shoot and then in real time kind of delete and, you know, and, and edit. And the screens are so good on the iPhone and iPad now, even if I shoot on my DSLR and upload them and I'll sit back and edit on the iPad. I mean, it's, it seems <laughs> nice because it'd be easy. But what I really dislike about photos is the way that it edits photos. So if you ever drag an exposure slider... In, I'm going to use the word photos a lot in a yeah. row here. <laughs> As you drag the exposure slider in photos, it responds much worse than Adobe does or probably Affinity does, yeah. where it'll start to clip highlights earlier. It doesn't have great control over the saturation, so you'll start getting clipped colors as well. It just it it doesn't have a nice look like it. It feels yeah. wrong. And that's always my first check for any new photo applications. What does it do with the exposure slider? Does it make it look better or worse? Because there's big differences of how to do it. So that's one thing I always give uh, VSCO, Visco. I give them a lot of credit for their iPhone app because 
as you move white balance and as you move the exposure slider, it looks great. Like it really controls the tones of the image well. And I've found Apple just doesn't, I, I mean, Aperture, I'm sure did it well because they had a different development yeah. team there. But the, So to clarify, um, <laughs> some of the interface stuff in photos is pretty bad and mm-hmm. I want to punch someone for mm-hmm. it sometimes. But, um, you know, Aperture was so much better in a lot of that stuff. But the other thing too is that because everything's just in my photos library, I often use something like Visco to open up and, you know, edit. Right, like, right. Yeah, so, so it's more of like a storage yeah. place. Yeah, and I, I use the Creative Cloud backup thing I have. Or, sorry, wait, what's Apple's called? <laughs> iCloud. iCloud. No. I, use, I, I use that for, like, ba- backup. Yeah. Speaking, I think the last time I was on here, was I complaining about Google's switch to... Well, you complained about it to me, so explain it again. Yeah, so... Um, I finally had to remove it from this machine. because I took it off my machine, too. Just the fans were running constantly. So Google used to have Google Backup and then Google Photos separately. They merged the app, and it's just a hot mess now. Yeah. Well, so before I was using the Google Drive Backup for my photos, and it was working fine because it was just kind of lighter weight and simpler. And now... The new app is yeah. The new app is called Backup and Sync from Google, um, and it's supposed to do it's supposed to do everything at once. Um, but I just and I really liked it because it was one extra copy of my photos. It yeah. downsamples them a little bit, but it did some interesting machine learning stuff. So it finds videos and or, or like animations. And, and I, I liked it because then when I search my Google Photos library, kind of everything is there, and I just usually find what I'm looking for if I enter a keyword. Yeah, exactly. After I wiped this machine and, and rebuilt it, I can just not get it working. So I had, had to take it off. Ugh, but, yeah, it's too bad. No, I, yeah. that, it, it was on my list of like, remember to install this on your computer. <laughs> and then I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm still using it on my phone, but it, obviously it needs a little bit of work. Let's get to a few like really Mac type details too, like as far as little optimizations and uh, details of how you configure things. First of all, where do you put your dock? Left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. At least you didn't say bottom. Um, yeah, I've been right forever. But uh, and for anybody that doesn't know, this is... I'm sure some people just don't ever think about it or aren't really aware that you can move it. But on a smaller screen, it's, it's crazy to me to put a dock on the bottom because you're giving up the most valuable space. You have the least vertical space. Yeah. So yeah, pick a side, any side. Do you uh, auto-hide it? Uh, no. Okay, you're so always visible. I don't auto-hide it, but I do a tiny little magnification just so you can see where the mouse is. Right. I like the magnification, actually. Yeah. I have it on really low as well. Yeah. yeah. I don't put it on my right because that's always where my second monitor is. And you always want your... that. I think that is why I put it on my right, though, because then if I'm using a second monitor, it's my primary, oh. and then I want it to... Be on the, prim- on the, on the primary. On the primary. Yeah. Okay. Either way. Interesting. Yeah, but you, but you look di- over to your laptop to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, as long as it's not the bottom, we can get along. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason I hide it is because of full screen pro apps like Lightroom and Final Cut and stuff. If it's visible, mm-hmm. it really uglies things up because yeah. all of a sudden you have this one part of the screen that has all this clutter. Right. Uh, so that's that's the reason I usually hide mine. Uh, do you show scroll bars? That's like a first thing I always do. What, what, what version was it when they removed scroll bars until you start moving? I hate that. Yeah, it was a couple of versions ago. Yeah, do you know what? It honestly 
doesn't bother me oh, all that much. I hate that one. <laughs> but I often use a non-Apple mouse, so they show up automatically when you plug in a non-Apple mouse. Interesting. Okay. So you just, it just kind of happens yeah. if you're like yeah. not paying attention. What else do I do? Um, tap to click? I've actually recently turned it off. Oh. I have such a hard time if I pick up a computer and it's off. <laughs> I'm lost. Uh, I also for some reason with lately have been having a really hard time with the, um, 3d, is it called 3d uh, press? force force touch touch force press? Yeah. Uh, on this. So I had to get rid of that as well. Yeah. Uh, f- force click, I guess it's different than on the phone. Uh, yeah. The phone. They just really never followed through with that in any interesting way. And it still seems, I'm, I'm not sure who proposed this first, but it still seems like the obvious answer to me is it should be a substitute for a long, uh, or for no wait. So on a phone, it should be substitute for long press. Yeah. That would just make so much more sense. It basically yeah. be like a right click. Yeah. But instead it's confusing and you'd never yeah. know what it does. And yeah. And it, it's all rumored to go away. So who knows? Oh, I haven't heard that rumor, but yeah. secondary click the, speaking of right. Mouse uh, yeah. button, since you said it, what do you do for that? Uh, yeah, I just do click with tap with two fingers. Oh, do you? Well, oh, you do something else? I do, but I always switch it to bottom right corner, so it actually divides the Oh, I never thought about doing that. I just, I always set it to that manually, because it used to not be a default. You just have no secondary click. Yeah. You had to know <laughs> that you'd go turn it on, and uh, now it's on by default, but that's, that's just what I always had. So, hmm. And it's funny, the other day I was reminded, ATP was talking about the idea of dashboard going away and all of a sudden it's like i just remember dashboards here like it's i forgot that it was still part of the os and are you, I'm you gonna you're cry. still using it oh, i'm gonna yeah, cry yeah. when it when it goes away eventually so i i had a heart attack because when i installed the betas of what are we running now i'm on high sierra mojave 10.13 oh you're on mojave over I, there yeah so i'm oh, on mojave okay. i've been testing out mojave and after you first install it it shuts it off by default, so you have, and I just thought it was gone, right? Because um, it's just a preference, a yeah. So you just have to go turn it back. Oh, on. Okay, yeah. I back in the day when we were working together, I was using it a lot. Like I leaned on it so hard; it's my favorite thing. And then at some point, they just kind of minimized it a bit, made it less obvious, and I they forgot about it. I just yeah. stopped using it. And I didn't really notice. And same with uh, using hot corners to do the desktop reveal and stuff. I used that so much. And I guess once they added gestures. You didn't. That worked. I, mm. I just, I just kind of forgot. But do you still have hot corners? Oh yeah. <laughs> In fact, my top left is dashboard. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Funny how the behavior can change without you intentionally making the change. But then other changes are impossible to learn, <laughs> and you never want to go back. Like what was the one with uh, opening a new window versus creating a new folder in Finder? So one is. Uh, yeah, so Command N creates a new window, and Command Shift N creates a new folder. Yeah. But it used to be the opposite. <laughs> Did it? Yeah. So that's why I can never remember because it, it might have been OS nine, but it used to be uh, the other way. And so I, I still have both always floating in my head, and I can't, <laughs> I can't quite wipe that. Okay. As far as uh, other like l- little utilities, do you, do you use Alfred at all? Um, so I did for a long time, and what's its competitor? I don't use either. I, I use Spotlight because... I, I do use Spotlight now. Yeah. Almost. Um, I mean, Quick, Quicksilver. Oh, yeah. Quicksilver. I used Quicksilver right, right. for a long time. Yeah. That's old school. It was yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I don't have it installed on. The Are they still in Quicksilver? Still going? Uh, I think it got open sourced. Because um, I still have it on my machine. Because I know Alfred's still one that people recommend. I know it's active. Yeah. So what they do is they're basically replacements for Spotlight, and people swear that they do more <laughs> and they do it better. And I only ever tested it quickly, just to sort of know. And I was like, this isn't really. I'm not doing anything better. Right. It's like Spotlight, and Spotlight's already pretty good. So. Yeah. In the early days before Spotlight got so much better, I think that's why I use Quicksilver. Yeah, people just built things. habits around yeah. using third-party stuff, and then yeah, it's hard to let go. Yeah, pretty impressive. Yeah. And I, maybe maybe it's better. I don't know. I could try it again. Um, do you use Hazel? Uh, no. Okay. That's yeah. one that I've been trying to figure out, but I can't make it work. For, I can't make it do anything useful for me. But I was, I was just asking about it. It's basically it'll automatically do tasks for you of any kind. So common things are to set up rules so that it like cleans up your desktop when you're not watching or, or <laughs> empties out your downloads folder or just thinks of automated ways of moving stuff around. And I could never program it in a way that really turned out to be useful in the right. long run. I just couldn't set the rules right. The closest thing I have to that is actually a control plane. Okay. What's, what's control plane do? So I don't know why Apple has never introduced this because we have it on our phones now, but the laptop isn't really location aware, but Control Plane makes it that way. So when I arrive at my office, instead of being at home, mm-hmm. turns on my screensaver, um, oh, okay. right? It yeah. shortens the screensaver or it shortens the lock time to like three minutes. Oh, when I'm at home, smart. it's like it sets it to an hour. It mounts all my um, it mounts all my shares when I get home. It automatically you know can start a backup or any any of those things. Is it doing that based on which Wi-Fi it's on? Yeah, so you can actually. There's a bunch of things you can set, but mostly it's based on Wi-Fi. Okay, um, yeah. I'm just trying to pull it up. I'm gonna I'm gonna try that. Yeah, it's actually P L A N E. You know what? I'm just realizing going through Google here. Do you remember Mac Update? Do you ever still go to that site? Does do. anybody still go to Mac it's, Update? Do you know what? I I go just out of nostalgia now. Right. Um, every once in a while, it's on my um, oh tab bar. wow, it's in your favorites. Yeah. Jeez, you do use it. Hasn't uh, uh, updated the design for a while. <laughs> nope. It does say Alfred's just been updated. Yeah, I mean Mac Update was like the place to find out about Mac software for so long, but yeah. now. Well, and they were busted so doing some really scummy things, weren't they? So I never. I don't know if they're busted. It just was obvious. Like <laughs> yeah. you could just see. It's like, why do I have fake download links? Like yeah. the whole purpose of this website is to download programs, and then. But same with the uh, CNET, like download.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like adding bloatware into the install files and stuff. And yeah. Mac Update probably had something similar going yeah. on. So my, uh, Mac Update, I just every once in a while I'll, I'll check it out, but I don't actually click on anything. To right, down. just kind of like for like a list of like, oh, what's new? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm also going to I'm going to take that opportunity to talk about Setapp, which happens to be sponsoring this episode, but I also want to tell you about it in general. So, I'm going to do both at the same time because I couldn't not talk about it in the context of this. So, you haven't used it. You aren't familiar with this? Uh well, I haven't used it myself, but I have heard about it for sure. Yeah, and I had heard about Setapp first because a lot of different developers were just like talking about it when it came out. They're like excited about this new project and it was created by MacPaw who I'd been using clean my Mac for a few years already. Clean my Mac's one of those applications that I think a lot of people aren't sure if it's real. Like, have you, have you used it? Yeah. I've tested it out in the past. Cause it sort of seems like, Oh, it'll do magic to, to make your <laughs> Mac run better. And I think some people look at that and are like, I don't know if that is a scam or not. And, uh, after running it for a while, it works 
great. Like it actually does what it promises to do. And we'll just sort of find junk files in utility folders and preferences that aren't being used or find large unused files and, and delete those. And just like all these little maintenance things that it's really smart about doing automatically. So the developer of that and some other applications created this alliance called SetApp, where they're bringing together a bunch of the best independent app developers and created a subscription model where you can access all of their available apps at once. And it kind of becomes that they're like already installed on your computer. So the fun thing is that it becomes like Mac Update, where Every time you open it, you're like, oh, what's new? There's like a couple new apps in here. Or you just think of like, I really need something for task management or I need something for time tracking or I need, uh, you know, like w- whenever a utility comes to mind, you can just go check it. And there's a pretty decent chance that it ends up being there. So I had been looking for time tracking stuff for a while. That was one I was like, you know, I want to experiment with it. I don't know if I really am going to end up using it. But then as soon as I got my setup going, I found that there's timing, which does this automatic background time tracking. So this one's not very accurate because it was just recently, but 15 minutes in Adobe Audition, two minutes in ScreenFlow, just kind of the things that I opened. But this is only this morning. So, um, but yeah, like there's just piles of this stuff. And every time I go back in there, I find another use for another one. Another one I like. Actually, so here, I'll go through a bunch. I don't know when the this is an ad and when it's not. I'm going to talk about some things I just, I've been using for years that are included in SetApp. But do you use TripIt? Or no, TripMode. Oh, sorry. TripMode. TripIt is the travel tracking iOS app. TripMode's awesome. Like, this is like, I honestly think everybody should be using this. It's so when you're traveling and you connect to Wi-Fi hotspot of any kind, it kind of detects what it is. And adjusts your internet access accordingly. So the best case for this is when you're tethering to your phone. All of a sudden it's like, oh, I realized this is a tether. Now I'm going to drop the internet usage down so that Dropbox stops syncing and Google backup and whatever stops syncing. And that honestly, this feels like something that Apple should do themselves. Yeah, this, this, is, this is a kind of like control plane, right? It's It should be built into the OS, but you need something when it... Yeah, because phones have some awareness of this. They know when they're on Wi-Fi versus on a network, and then developers can program accordingly so that their app doesn't start using all of your bandwidth. And so, yeah, Trimode's an awesome one for that. Oh, yeah, Bartender? Yeah, I have used Bartender. Do you do, you do anything? Oh, no, I can see icons. Um, so, <laughs> okay, Kelly's computer is a mess. I can see it from here. Bartender compresses all of your top menu items. There's a menu bar. The menu bar where it stacks all those tiny little icons for like every application you have running. Bartender just slaps them all together into like a tiny little dot, dot, dot. You can click on that and then you see them. It becomes an additional menu, basically. And without it, my computer just feels so cluttered. Like I can't stand <laughs> What are you even running up there? So I was actually going to say one of the other apps I run all the time on every machine is iStat menus. Yeah, yeah. So Same I have here. a bunch of those up at the top. Yeah, that's it's... what most of it looks like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I mean, with Bartender, I can hide my iStat and yeah. just look look to it. Do you ever worry about iStat? Like, I'm always like, is it taking more cycles than it's, than it's worth? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I actually think they're in some early, um, some of the early betas of uh, Mojave, there was definitely some issues where there seemed to be a lot of cycles going to it. Um, seems to have settled down now. I don't really, really see that much anymore. But 
Right, cool. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap up the section of this that is sponsored, but I've got more things that are included in here to talk about. And if anybody wants to know more about this, go to stpp.co slash Stallman, or the link is in the show notes. So thanks to set but I'm still going to keep talking about things that they offer because they have some uh, just insanely useful utilities. I've been using endurance lately. Have you tried that? Have you heard of it? No. So I, I started looking this after Marco Arment wrote an article about if you disable turbo boost on the new Mac Pros, you can save yeah. substantial amounts of battery life because that's what is eating a lot of the power. And there's no management built into the OS for when it's pushing the, the processor hardest. So endurance, basically, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open it up so I can see what the options are. It gives you a bunch of low power options. So if you notice you're at 30% or you just want your battery to last longer, you're getting on a flight, the options it can do are it can dim the screen, which that one's not too exciting. I don't really do that because I can do that on my own. But monitoring expensive apps, so it just sort of does a little bit of management of the heaviest apps running. Hide background apps, because when they're visible on the screen, that actually takes yeah. computation cycles as well. Disable flash plugin, if you, <laughs> if you still have it. It's funny, there's one dedicated just to flash. And then also slowing down the processor. So it just everything runs a little slower. Unless you're doing heavy stuff, though, if you have a de- like a half yeah. decent computer, you're not going to notice it. Like it's that's the nice thing about having slightly overpowered machines. So um, I haven't done any benchmarks on it yet. I'm kind of I want to see how much it's actually saving me. But in theory, it all makes sense. Screens? Do you use screens? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, and especially now that uh, Apple is discontinuing. Um, yeah, back to my Mac. Back going to my away. Mac. Yeah. I I use screens like all the time, especially having an iMac at the studio, like at the office, then traveling on a laptop. It's so nice to be able to just log in to find those files that you forgot or, or stuff that you're missing. That's exactly what I do. Too. Do you, do you have an iMac at the office? What's I, your, no, I have, I have an iMac at home. Oh, okay. But so I do it just the reverse. Yeah. So it, it, in case I'm not explaining this clearly, it's a, wait, what's the kind of category of app? This is a, Yes. It is a VNC app, meaning that you can open a worm pole through the internet and access. Pretend your, you're sitting in front of your computer. Yeah. No, it's cr- I, it still always blows me away <laughs> that this works. And um, I mean, back to my Mac used to do it really well yeah. and they just stopped supporting it. I, I think that's the only problem is that Apple gave up on it. Yeah. I, I, they seem to think there's other ways to get the same thing done. So, which is also a little too bad because it used to just sit in your finder, right? Like yeah. it, it looked like your other computer. It's always here with yeah. you. you Except you're when it wasn't. It with you, right? That was my, my problem. Every once in a while when I absolutely needed it, it would vanish. Oh, yeah, totally. That's kind of the same as like AirDrop. I mean, AirDrop is one of the most important things on any Apple product to me. But it doesn't work about how often would you say? Like uh, but 20% I think we had of the this time? discussion before. So lately it has been rock solid for me, especially from the phone. Yeah. Um, it has been a little better for me lately. If you have an older machine, it gets really weird, right? Okay. Because it needs the new. Oh, it's got a new machine. Maybe that's why. And, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, one thing I noticed, this was just kind of random, is all my phones, like my phone and my wife's phone, all started being generically called iPhone and our avatars went away. Like, we, I can't, see, on all of, on each other's, all of them at the same time are like, there's no more icon for each other and there's no more name. It just says iPhone. Oh, that's odd. I so, hadn't seen that. So I don't know if I did, I did something that like killed did all of them, but um, yeah, it's kind of weird. 
Um, what else can we go down my list? Another one I, I, I just keep around, but isn't super important is boom, which lets you turn up your laptop speakers a little louder. Yeah. It's just like a cheap little utility, but sometimes that's the thing I want. <laughs> not, not all that important. Downy, uh, is a way of downloading, uh, YouTube videos. So I'll often do this when I'm editing videos so I can reference other people's, um, just lets you uh, download the original files. Uh, and the last one I mentioned that's part of the the set app suite is Chronosync. This is this is one of my biggest all time recommendations. Um, is is Chronosync for backup? It lets so and there's a few good backup apps that we should mention uh, like SuperDuper and Carbon Copy Cloner. Is that what you use? I, I used to use SuperDuper and I have migrated to Carbon Copy. Yeah, and so both of them are more focused on creating exact duplicates of your hard drive. So a bootable backup is the, yeah. p- the main purpose for it. Th- th- that is useful for a million things, but Chronosync can do that, but is also way more targeted. And the targeted thing is what I need most of the time. So what I can do is I can say, okay, Chronosync, look at my 2018 folder on my computer, on my laptop, and now look at it on my backup drive. And Make them the same with as little effort as possible. So it'll find deletions, and those can either be moved to a like a trash file or immediately deleted. And it'll find all the new files and copy them over and not change any of the existing files. So when you're making a backup, and let's say you're just using the Finder and you drag a folder over, or worse, you drag a nested stack of folders that has like several subfolders deep, if anything interrupts the copy, you don't know what's finished. And to, to, re- to finish it, there's no, like, resume. You can't resume <laughs> copying it. You, you just need to start over or manually go in and try to find every file that didn't get completed. Uh, and so Chronosync just has that awareness. I mean, like a computer should. This is, it, it, yeah. It's a pretty simple thing that it's doing, but becomes super important when you have... Like, sometimes I need to move a whole year's worth of photos, and I need something that I can trust to do it. And then it also does data verification. So it'll tell you if mm. there was any copying errors, it, it, it kind of goes back and checks its work. And right. I don't understand how computers work enough to know like <laughs> what, what that, what that process actually is, but I, it's important to me that it's done right. If I, if I'm really feeling worried about what finders up to, I'll actually just go to the command line and do it there sometimes. Too. Oh, right. Well, people like <laughs> Kelly can go to the command line. People like me who can go to Chronosync. So yeah, I, I really love that one. Um, okay, I'm going to go back to my list. Man, uh, there's there's still a lot here. I guess we're going to have to go through th- some of these really quick. I'm just going to read out some some quick ones that I use and like. And if you have any comments, throw them in there. Okay. Chrome. Do you still install Chrome? Yeah. Do you use it? Uh, n- not as much as Safari. Yeah, I'm way way more Safari now. Mm-hmm. I only keep Chrome for uh, there's a few plugins that. Safari doesn't have because it's yeah. kind of more open, and I, I prefer its development tools. Yeah. Like the way that it inspects web pages and lets you edit them is right. more robust to me. It's a yeah, it's for same for me. I will also mention again if you're running the the beta, betas of Mojave, there's the older plugins for Safari. The older style plugins no longer work. Right. So I lost a bunch of plugins that I use all the time. So I find uh, myself in Chrome. Well, what did they do? Why more. did they change it? Uh, I think it was security issues. Yeah. 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 The way it's they always security issues. Different. Yeah. <laughs> Dropbox. Yep. Yeah, that's not going away. I mean, the, the, the Google one was an afterthought for Google. You know, they never really put the effort in, but 
I've been I've been paying for Dropbox for ever for like ten years now. Yeah, I actually I don't pay for it, but it, what? You know, whoa, but how much data do you? Okay. A, a lot. But remember in the early <laughs> days when they gave you like five oh, bonuses for, for everyone you referred? Yeah, you just I, got you signed up for the whole company. Like an, I was an early guy, so oh, yeah, I got right, right. Yeah, yeah, I have a ton free. Okay, yeah, I have, a, I have a little bit of extra free, but I mean, it's where we store all of every year's completed photos there. So that's actually my main archive for if I'm looking for stuff that's finished is I can go back and like, okay, 2015 and under the client's name is all the JPEGs for it. And then uh, one super important tip, if nobody knows about selective sync, it's, it's hidden and it is a bad interface choice, but it's kind of necessary to use big Dropbox. Like if you're, if you're using a lot of storage and you have a laptop, you, you need to use selective sync, I think. Oh yeah. Especially on, you know, if you have an old air with 120 gigs. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So you just, all you do is you go into the preferences, go to selective sync and say, okay, don't sync these folders. So every time it goes to a next year, I'll make the previous year not sync to any of the computers. And it's only being stored on my iMac. Important detail there. Password management. One password. Yep. Same here. I've never compared them. I'm sure LastPass is great. Yeah. You know, they're good. Yeah. They're all good. Yeah. Do you use the subscription or the, um, yeah, so actually, ShowPass uses um, the business version of it. So it was the first time I've sort of delved into that, into okay, the, right. used it in the corporate Right, so at work, well. you already, you're yeah. just getting it. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. I, I briefly mentioned Final Cut Pro, but yes, Final Cut, I mean, obviously I can say a lot more about it, um, but maybe, I don't know, this isn't really the place for it. There's too, there's too much to say to make it use, <laughs> useful. Uh, along with that comes Compressor, which uh, I end up using it sometimes for just like converting mp3s and or like waves to mp3s and just like little things like that but my exports i do out of final cut davinci resolve have you tried it uh i downloaded it haven't really had too much time to test it yet yeah so resolve for me it used to be the it was for years it was the pro color app like and, and you can't call it an app it was an application it was like a multi-thousand dollar studio investment like nobody no personal individuals would buy it because it was so expensive and it wasn't that easy to use and after black magic bought it they really doubled down on making it easy to use and free so this is another example of when i think like the next generation is going to grow up using da vinci like everybody in college i'm sure why would you start paying for Creative Cloud or even even the $200 for Final Cut might seem like a lot for some people. So DaVinci really is a full-featured editor. You can take it as far as you want. It can become your professional tool. And it's better at some things than the others. It's better at masking, better with color. Yeah, it's it's really an amazingly powerful application. I still use Final Cut. I don't have any need to relearn um, how DaVinci does its editing. And as of 2018, it's a little, it's a little behind in some tools, but I, I know they're they're moving so fast that they're going to be on par with Premiere and Final Cut soon. So, um, I'm just reading my list now, so I might repeat myself a few times. Photoshop talked about Lightroom, Audition. Okay, yeah. So for audio editing, I use Audition. Um, I've had Logic before, and Logic's awesome. I mean, they're both great. It's kind of whatever you use. Logic is just more targeted for music production and audition is for like radio. Like it's, it's more of a straightforward waveform editor. Whereas logic has more in it. Logic's crazy though. I want to get back into it just to play with some music stuff. 
for audio plugins, Isotope RX6 does a lot of great like noise removal. Mm. Premiere's here. Yep, I keep using it. After Effects. Pluralize is a tool that um, I've owned for a long time, and now it's th- they were bought out by Red Giant, and it lets you take a bunch of different audio and video tracks and sync them together. This is something that's integrated into Premiere and Final Cut. They can do this. Pluralize does it way better. It's just a smarter algorithm. It's dedicated to doing this. You just drop, say for like a podcast, you'd often have multiple cameras, right? So you've got three cameras and two audio files, and they all need to line up perfectly. Pluralize can do that and can also take care of audio drift, which is, that's less common to have that fixed. So it's really helpful. Skype, the uh, call recorder, use that for podcasts sometimes. Audio hijack, I love for everything. Have you have you tried it? You don't do much audio stuff, so um, I I used to use it a lot. Um, I haven't updated to the newest version. But. It's another one of those things that kind of takes care of what a Mac should be able to do anyway. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a mixer for your computer where you can just start routing audio to different places and then record from different sources and split channels to you know record to multiple different outputs in the end. It's it's so well done. Rogue Amoeba is an awesome developer. So if you if you do anything audio, check out Audio Hijack. And if you don't, then well, this even is before App, uh, AirPlay two, I used to use it so that you could um, was that Audio Foil? Is that the other yeah Rogue there app? yeah there yeah and then the- yeah and they do they do other good ones. They have a soundboard app that I should be using for this podcast to add farts and stuff. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, they're, 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 they're good people. Um, screen flow. That's how I record my screen uh, forecasts. Another Marco Arment thing. It uh, adds some of my show notes stuff. I used to compress my final podcast files leveler by Auphonic lets me, um, I, I dump the waveform of a podcast in there and it sorts out all the levels automatically. All right, going fast, going fast VLC. I just, always have it around because it'll play any video file (laughs) at any time, which is still kind of crazy. Like I remember when DivX was a thing and you would have to go through and try to always install every single video codec possible just in case you get sent a file that doesn't work. And I just don't think about it anymore. I mean, it seems like QuickTime does better for one thing. Maybe it's just because there's less codecs being used. It's much more standard. Yeah, everybody's just using the same MP4s basically. But still, VLC has it all packed in. So if you ever can't play something, VLC can play it. And it can also do things like you can import closed captions. So if you need third-party ones for some reason. Have you ever got a weird file where the, the video and the audio is separate? And you just uh, have to right, it'll yeah, yeah. play them together. Yeah. Uh, Disc Warrior does like disc repair stuff. I've just kind of used it in emergencies in the past. Yeah. Handbrake. I don't use Handbrake anymore, but uh, I just don't have needs for it. If I really need to compress something super well, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll use it. Still. Right. Yeah. I think I, I end up leaning to compressor more often because it has more obvious presets, which is a dumb reason to do it. Because I think Handbrake, I mean, well, they probably both look just as good. But uh, I just can't figure out the controls in Handbrake. Sometimes. Handbrake has gotten a lot better in the the versions after 1.0. They've updated it quite a few times. Oh, I guess I don't know when the, when I opened it last. I'm going to reinstall it. Let's let's find out. Also, still the weirdest 
icon <laughs> of any of the apps that we've talked about. It always puts a smile on my face. It makes me want to drink. <laughs> Image Rescue is like something used to save memory cards sometimes. For oh, you know, it's funny we get what funny where computers are that it takes this long to get to like word processing and uh, spreadsheets. <laughs> but I mean, I use numbers and pages because I don't do anything very in depth. In yeah. fact, most of my writing happens in notes. I write in notes a lot because then it's synced everywhere, and I don't I don't do much serious writing. But so then for the few times that I do, it's, it's available. And, um, same with numbers. I don't do like, I don't do real spreadsheets. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. do you still have any Microsoft stuff or? Yeah. For, for work, of yeah. course, I still need, um, Excel every once in a while. What's the world like for Microsoft though? Like just dealing with other executives, other people that type a lot, how, how much are people still living in Microsoft world? Um, on the on the word side of things, it doesn't really matter, right? Anything I'll open a Word document now and you can edit just doesn't matter. <laughs> Isn't it crazy looking back at how big of an issue that was? That yeah, that was yeah. any issue at all. Yeah. But it was a huge problem. Like you'd yeah. have to oh. but yeah. No, but then something like Excel, you know, every once in a while you'll get an Excel document, you know, ninety percent of them will open fine in numbers, but then you know, there's some weird things, oh, numbers doesn't support this chart type or something yeah, like that some or, crazy yeah. macro that i don't understand yeah, yeah. yeah. i i couldn't put uh, excel to its uh to work so <laughs> I, have, I have no reason uh daisy disk do you use daisy disk or anything like it there's a few other competitors yeah so i use the um omni disk sweeper instead yeah is it better uh do you know what i've used it since the i think it was available in the next days so uh, I, think I used, okay, I used yeah, all right. of their apps back then yeah, yeah. so it but it's so it's from habit. it's from the omni group oh yeah oh yeah. okay i didn't omni know sweeper. it's one of their free ones oh it's free why am i recommending <laughs> daisy disk now daisy daisy disk is great and it's pretty cheap but um daisy it doesn't have the like daisy disk has the kind of pretty daisy looking yes, things. Yeah. this this is just much more like it just lays out the folders and shows you how much is in each one and you traverse down it and I'm going to grab it. I'm going to, I'm going to try it too. I should, I should know, uh, steam. I still install steam in case I want to play a game, which uh, doesn't happen as much as I'd like. Slack is still on my list. I'm not using it now because I don't, um, I'm not working at a company at the moment. So are you you using Slack? We, we definitely use Slack. Do you use any of the, like I've started to see how Slack has become a bit of like a social network where people have like groups and they like hang out with these groups. I don't understand that <laughs> Slack world. What? So I, t- I tested it out and it was just too much. Like Slack is already too much Like when you're <laughs> yeah. at work and you're starting to get bombarded, you know? And so I found, I found it just too distracting. So um, I got rid of it, uh, the, rid of those other, other things I was following. It would be so great if they could rewrite it because it's oh. such a just obviously useful program. Once you move away from, we were on hip chat before and I mean, in iStock Photo Days, we were on Messenger, yeah, <laughs> MSN Messenger, yeah. yeah. Everybody would have to install, like, I mean, so. But but it's funny because something about Slack just caught the imagination of the whole world. Because yeah. when I first tried, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, it's another, it's another Messenger, it's another thing that I've had for fifteen years, twenty yeah. years, like ICQ even. Yeah, and we already had it integrated into our office workflow, so it didn't feel like a big jump to me. But I think a lot of companies just weren't ever doing that. They were never doing Messenger or HipChat. They were doing email the whole time. Yeah. So it was yeah. a total revelation as Slack got bigger. But I don't know what the the, the element about it was that made it so big. Uh, it, you know, it was really clever in how they 
approach their marketing, right? It was super smart that anyone from your, your company could go sign up for an account and then everyone else could just follow. There didn't have to be a central authority doling out. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was really smart. I did that once, like yeah. creating a group, and it was so simple to do. Yeah. 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 And also just good design, you know, yeah. making it feel easy, yeah. feel less sterile like yeah. the other ones did. Although, dear God, that application's a pig. Yeah. yeah. How, why? How is that still... It's built in, isn't it an electron app? It's an electron I think so, app. Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't know. I mean, uh, still, I think they do good things. And uh, also developed uh, in, in Canada, the guys in Victoria Metal Lab did the mm. design for that. Stuart Butterfield is the CEO, right? Oh, yeah. But th- that's of actual Slack. The like production team oh, okay. is, is Metal Lab. So they like designed the app and stuff. Last thing I've written here is Fantastical. Fantastical 2, which is just a calendar app that lets you write in regular English. Yeah, it's super, super awesome. Yeah. Have you tried their um, their new cards? Um, no. They have a new app. Isn't it, it's Fantastical who the Fantastical guys who did it, right? The developer. I haven't seen it. Let me, yeah. let me look at this. You, tell me about it while I Google do. It. It's exactly. It's like Fantastical for contacts. Okay. I have not yet tried it, but I heard it's great. All right. Well, I guess we'll have to make it, recommend it after we try it. <laughs> oh yeah, Flexibits is the developer. They do. I mean, they do great stuff. So I'm super open to card hop that's what it's called okay the contacts app you'll actually want to use yeah all right i'm gonna i'm gonna get it just because yeah they do good stuff <laughs> yeah, they, do. they do. i mean i love that like when you find a developer that you know is good same with like rogue amoeba yeah or or whoever like it's so nice when you're like oh i just know i can trust this group of people and then i can just buy and use everything that they have because there's so much there's always so much crap out there. You're like looking for the good stuff. So what did I miss? What, what, what wasn't on? Uh, I looking through mine, coconut battery. <laughs> Never heard of that one. Tell me about it. Um, so it just, it, you launch it and it tells you information about your battery on your Mac or your phone and you can record it. So over time it starts to give you a pretty good indication of oh, like what your, your, your battery looks the like. The health of your battery. Yeah. Okay, it cool. shows you charging cycles. Um, things like that. That's so, smart. Yeah. What else? Um, so the the one thing we hadn't really talked about, do you use services at all? No, no, never. Oh. You, I, I always forget they exist. Do you use services? What's yeah, even in mind? time. Probably nothing. Um, Literally nothing. <laughs> so if you, if there's a couple things you should install, there's one called Calc service and one called word service. And those I use all the time. For sure. When I Google it, it takes me to Mac update. It's a good sign. Uh, <laughs> I think they're probably the Devon Think. Do you remember those? Devin? No. Yeah. So I think Devon Think. Like if you're writing a text anywhere and you needed to calculate something, so you could type 27 times 8 in it or whatever in any text field, right. select it and hit calculate and replace. Oh, okay. And it just That's appears. Smart. Same thing with word service. If you have a bunch of text and you're like, how many characters, how many words is this oh, selected? Yeah, yeah. And it gives you all those details. Yeah. There's That's a cool. Bunch I like of that. Things like that. So, uh, it, there's all these little workflow things like that that I feel like I'm always missing out on. A, a, a big general thing. Do you write a markdown? Uh, once in a while, yeah. I... I just could never build any habits around it. I could never find how everyone else in the world finds it to be indispensable <laughs> and the only way they can write. And it's a requirement for any program that they're going to use for writing. Yeah. I'm like, I just can't find it to be useful. Like I've never, what's wrong with me that I can't make Markdown <laughs> useful for myself. It, it actually took me a bit to get used to it, but yeah. 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 And it's kind of the same way I look at like say Hazel. 
I, mm. I get what it does. I get how it could be useful. I just, it's not, it's not doing anything for me. Oh, another huge omission with all of this is I haven't mentioned any to-do apps or like reminders or productivity software because um, I don't use any. Uh, mm. I use Siri for reminders, which is integrating with the reminders app. And that's literally it. And then like my calendar, I'm just, yeah. I'm bad at managing my time, basically. <laughs> I think we talked about this last time, but I've been testing out Agenda, which is sort of an interesting take. Um, I use it for note taking, but it allows you to kind of attach things to dates so I can keep track of my notes based on obviously when they were typed. But I found it, it's been fairly effective for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's on the iPad and the iPhone and stuff, so I can write on it. It's kind of an expensive one, wasn't it? Yeah, there's a free like there's a free version of it that for most people would be fine, I think. Yeah, yeah and also with like note taking, I was saying I love notes. Uh, there's uh, Bear. A lot of people recommend mm-hmm. Bear or others, but I can't get on board with paying for such basic apps that I have such good free solutions to. I'm like, yeah, I I tested out Bear too and just couldn't couldn't get there. Yeah, it's nice. It looks great. Um, then what other? There's like things. Yeah things too i used things way back yeah you know years ago just love never, it. yeah or uh omni all oh, the other omni stuff too um, yeah. you don't use like omni focus or omni directional or whatever they call it <laughs> <laughs> um i you know i have most of them but they're older versions now i haven't really updated you know back in the iStock days i used them all the time omni outliner yeah um i use it a lot omni graffle yeah yeah tons of documents yeah omni graffle was my old um mock-up yeah yeah i guess maybe that's it i went through a very long list we talked a lot <laughs> tweet bot still <laughs> how's still. it working <laughs> <laughs> different than before but oh, yeah man. i mean i don't go on twitter all that much anymore it's too depressing but um i do like tweet bot. <laughs> i started uh leaning more heavily on not f- both not following people that basically I, I just want twitter to be f- more fluffy for me right. like i just am unfollowing real news sources <laughs> making it more about like tech and movies and yeah. things i'm interested in and then i've started blocking keywords like um i t- <laughs> i added a block for trump like just so i just don't see yeah. tweets about it and totally didn't work it, it's like it's like a sponge wall where everything still soaks <laughs> the through. machines melted down trying to filter out yeah everything. exactly and uh but I, I did i did do it for kanye that worked um <laughs> i also did it for drake because i just don't care and so many yeah. people talk about it all the yeah just sort of things that i'm like i just don't care yeah i want it to be i want it to be fun and not important and when i want to check the news i'll go intentionally check the news. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's what I've been trying to morph Twitter into for myself a little bit. Oh, there's one more app. W, you know, the WWDC app, not from Apple. Oh, there's an unofficial. There's yeah. It's, and it's called WWDC. Um, it allows you to, it, it has all the videos just nicely laid out. Um, all the, all the, what are they called? The transcripts of the videos so you can search. Oh, okay, cool. Um, when I'm writing articles and stuff that are kind of based around some of the technology that's coming out, that's been yeah. indispensable. Wait, so what do you write in by default? Oh, simple text. Yeah. Like on, honestly, yeah. um, just whatever. Yeah. I can write, write, uh, in anything. Like yeah. That. It's um, another thing. It's like part of the Apple community of people obsessing over their text editor. <laughs> and I just don't care that much. Like I still use, simple text and notes yeah. and like i just yeah I'll, I'll, I'll just open things and notes took over for me because of the syncing yeah like the writing's not the best but who cares because it's, <laughs> it's just putting words down oh no wait i have a real okay last one this is a i've 
really loved this. It's not a, an app on your computer, so Windows people can use this too. Um, let me make sure I'm getting the URL right. Yeah, the most dangerous writing app.com. I've been writing in this lately. Uh, I did a, f- a few projects in it. It's super fun. So when you go there, what you'll see is it says, don't stop typing or all progress will be lost. And then you can set a session length of default is five minutes, but uh, I've been doing it with words. So I'll say like, okay, 150 words. And then you click start writing and you have to keep typing. And then if you stop typing, the screen will start to turn red and eventually it'll just dis- delete everything that you wrote. Oh, so it gives me heart palpitation thinking. <laughs> exactly. But the the whole point, and it has completely worked. I haven't lost anything <laughs> is that you just, you just keep going. You're yeah. like, I just, and so when, what it's great for is like brainstorming or like, I just need to get an idea out and I'm kind of like delaying or I'm having a hard time. I'm overthinking it. Uh, so like for, for example, doing um, descriptions for the podcasts, I was like, ah, I don't really know what to say. Like we already talked about it all on the show. And I just have a block. Like I can, so usually they're very short and, and not very useful. But here I'm like, okay, it's got to be 150 words. I, I, I know that I will be done within, I have to be done within like two minutes because I'm typing the whole time. And by the end, you know, you have something there and you can just edit it. So I, I really love it. I'll have to test, test it. Do it on non-mission non <laughs> critical stuff, yeah. yeah, and keep it relatively short. I see there's a hardcore mode, so... Oh, yeah, the hardcore mode <laughs> makes just one letter at a time is visible, so you can't see what you wrote. Oh. So it encourages, like, not deleting or not... Because right. also deleting adds to your disappearing time. Oh. So if you, like, spend too long, like, going back, you're like, okay, never mind, I'm just going to start <laughs> writing again. And, uh, yeah, it's really fun. The one... The one like hack you end up doing yeah, is you, you type holy crap I don't know what to say <laughs> no, here, totally. so <laughs> or you start going like spacebar delete spacebar delete you know just to like kind of hold it off for a few <laughs> seconds while you think of the next sentence um, but yeah I've had I've had a lot of fun with that but that's it this was great I mean I could t- I could do I'd love to have a whole podcast on Mac apps I could talk about this all the time uh, so thanks again for coming Kelly thanks for having me yeah and thanks again to Setup for sponsoring the show so if you want to know more go to stpp.co slash Stallman and uh, see you next time.